Now, I'm going to be reading uh, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to be reading in the original flat screen Bible. Uh, if you brought a Bible and you'd like to read along, you can follow me there. Or uh, we are also on the YouVersion Bible app now. And so we have our worship services as an event under the event page. And you can follow along on your device or phone. We'll also have the screens, uh, words on the screen where you can follow along there. Chapter 16, verse 1 begins by saying, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James... And Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said, or don't be afraid. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you, trembling and bewildered. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's interesting now here in the story at the very end in the gospel of Mark, we see these women emerge to prominence. They, the women really weren't considered vital to the story before now. It was all Jesus and his boys, right? It was all men focused. And yet we know if we go back and reread the stories that, that women were intimately involved all along the way as Jesus' disciples, they just didn't get the credit in the story until now, after all of the boys fled and ran away, it's these three faithful women who stick by Jesus even in his death and come to his tomb to pay their last respects and to do whatever they can to prepare his body after his death. These were followers of Jesus who come in faithfulness to his memory and they bring these articles of death, these herbs and these spices to, to do this gruesome task of preparing a dead body for burial. It tells us they came when the Sabbath was over. We know that Jesus died and was buried on Friday. And the women couldn't go out and purchase these spices and herbs or do any work on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And so they had to wait until sunrise on the third day, which was Sunday. And then they moved into action. The rising of the sun on that Sunday morning begins to dispel the darkness that covered the land as Jesus hung on the cross earlier in the story. And in scripture, if you go back and, and read the story of God and his people, we'll see many places that, that God's help, God's rescue, God's answer to the prayers of his people often comes with the rising of the sun. It comes with the newness of the day. It comes in the morning. Psalm 30 verse 5 tells us that weeping may last through the night, but joy 
comes with the morning. You see, there's a, there's a new day dawning for these three women and through them and their testimony to the other disciples that, that what they had thought was real was not actually the case, that Jesus was not, no longer dead, but, but he had overcome the grave and all of their thinking about who they were in their life in this world began to be transformed through this new reality that the kingdom of God was at work in a whole new way in the world. These three followers of Jesus were apparently suffering from shock and the grief of the brutal loss of the one who they believed was going to change everything for them. The one who would bring about God's plan and God's rescue to restore his people and to save the whole world. And and yet they don't know that he is alive yet. And so they walk kind of as if in the shadow of death with their heads down depressed and mourning, and yet they're drawn to Jesus out of their loyalty to him, and they're determined to render one last act of service to their master. And as they steel themselves to this gruesome task, they have no idea how they're going to be able to do it because they know that this massive stone has been put in front of the tomb to keep Jesus' disciples from going in and stealing the body. They had been there and witnessed where Jesus was laid and they're anxious now for how in the world they're going to be able to, in their own strength, move this massive stone away from the tomb in order for them to find their way to Jesus. Verse 3 says, they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? See, they, they know that, that they don't have the strength to do it. And, and, and as they approach this tomb, they come without an attitude of hope. They, they come dejected and depressed and in grief, but they don't know what else to do. They have to do something. And so maybe if they just put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward, something will happen and some way they'll find a way through what they're experiencing. Have you ever felt like life feels that way to you? See, as we enter the story of these three faithful women who are followers of Jesus, we are reminded again about one of the core truths of life that we've been learning here at Faith Covenant in this series called Hope Rising. And that truth is a truth that we all know, but we often ignore or don't want to pay attention to. And that truth is that life is difficult. Life is hard. And no matter what kind of smiley face you want to put on it, you don't have to be alive very long in this planet to know that crisis happens. People are going to disappoint you. It's not going to work out the way you want it to. Your body is going to let you down. Your boss is going to let you down. The world is going to disrupt and disappoint you. Life is hard. And and as often as we want to think that somehow it's all going to work out perfect and life should just be easy, we know that it's not that way. Life isn't always fair. And when life is hard, the challenge is it begins to open us to questions that sometimes we'd prefer that we never have to ask. And yet even when life leaves us feeling lost and confused and betrayed and alone and unjustly treated and brokenhearted in our own lives, the Bible reminds us and the story of Easter tells us that there is a beacon in the midst of the storm. There's a light to lead the way out of our own personal darkness. There's a hope that we can hang on to. Psalm 46.1 tells us that God is our refuge 
and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. The question really is in the midst of life's challenging circumstances, because we know that it's going to be hard, will our circumstances cause us to run away from God and to doubt God and to not believe that God cares or is willing or even able to help? Or will those difficult circumstances actually drive us to God and to understand that he is a loving heavenly father that continually welcomes us with open arms? At Easter, we recognize that because Jesus willingly suffered the betrayal and abandonment, the false accusations and the brutal treatment of the people that he loved the most, he knows and understands the pain and the suffering that we too experience as a result of simply being alive in this world. Because he gave his life to open the way back to God, and because God raised him to new life again on that Sunday morning, he has overcome the sin and the brokenness of our own lives and has become a bridge back to God where we can find mercy and grace and healing to help us in those dark and difficult places in our lives. One of the key passages that we've been looking at in this series together is Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16, that tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He has become our high priest. A priest was a mediator between God and the people. But not only is he between God and people, he is the bridge that that brings us back to God. Jesus himself, because he is alive, has become our ever-present help in time of trouble. The risk is that when life gets hard, when we feel betrayed or let down and when people treat us unfairly or we feel that people are viewing us as a failure in life, we are tempted to doubt God. We're tempted to what the Bible calls the sin of unbelief. It's the sin that that somehow thinks that God isn't there and that God doesn't care and that, that somehow we have to choose our own path and in our own strength work out our own happiness in life. And yet I'd like to suggest for us this morning that too often we are like the women in this story. We keep moving forward in life, putting one foot in front of the other, but we're often lost in the midst of our own internal world of fear and pain and quiet suffering. And often we don't even let anyone else know what's truly going on on the inside. And so we begin to feel more isolated and more afraid. And we're not even sure how to handle who we are, much less the chaos of the world around us. And so sometimes we too feel like we are walking through life as if we're walking in the shadow of death ourselves. And we feel the weight of the world on our lives and we wonder who will help me roll this stone away that is weighing on my soul and on my heart. Do you ever feel that way? I know sometimes I do. 
But you see, as we walk with these women, the story sudden shift, suddenly shifts for them when they do one simple thing. What does it say in verse 4? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. When they looked up, everything changed. In the midst of their pain and their grief and their sorrow, they were so focused downward into their own life circumstances that that they couldn't even see that the barriers and the obstacles and the weights in their own lives were were things that had already been handled and taken care of. They just kept not thinking that there was any way forward. Yet when they looked up, they realized they'd been anxious about trying to enter a closed tomb that had already been opened. When they looked up, they realized that God had sent an angel and a messenger to speak to them, to say, do not be afraid. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, but he's not here. He's risen. He's alive. When they looked up, they realized that God understood their fear and their anxiety. God knew their pain and their suffering, and God had a simple and powerful word for them that would set their lives on a whole new trajectory. Do not be afraid, because he's risen. Sometimes I think it's not that we are intentionally trying to run away from God. It's more that the circumstances of our lives and the weightiness of life in this world has caused us to focus so much more on our pain and our problems and the things that we think we have to manage and do ourselves to make life work, that it's caused us to to miss the reality that God's presence and power is always here and available to us if we simply would look up and pay attention. The problem is that when we lose sight of God, we run the risk of this temptation to not believe in God and to not look to God for help. And so we run our own direction and think that somehow we, in our own strength, can find a way to make our lives work. And yet it's as a result of this unbelief, the Bible tells us, that then we are tempted to give ourselves to other unhealthy and spiritually unproductive choices for our lives, which then lead us further and further away from God and his best plan for our lives. And we find ourselves sinking deeper and deeper into a dark hole of confusion and feeling lost and betrayed, rather than allowing God to enter into and help us with our circumstances. This Easter, we are reminded that even in life's most difficult times, we can look up and see that we don't need to be afraid of life in this world because Jesus is alive. And he understands what we're going through. He's been through it himself. He has an intimate knowledge of exactly the same feelings of what it feels like to live the life that you're living right now today. He's not sitting in heaven as a critical judge waiting to throw down lightning bolts of criticism uh, on our heads because of the mistakes that we've made. He's a savior that can empathize with everything that we experience in this world and wants to help us because he knows how to make it through. He's been all the way to the end and he's seen the other side and now his spirit is available to help us follow that same path to find our way to the mercy and the grace of God which is what we need in our lives the most. All we need to do is look up. All we need to do is look 
to Jesus, to cry out to Jesus as the savior of the world and as the savior of our life and to say yes to his mercy and his grace in our lives. And what we discover is when we say yes to Jesus, we realize that the stone in our own heart has already been rolled away. The freedom is already there. It's just waiting for us to receive it as a gift. The work has been accomplished. The price has been paid. The tomb is empty. What's the stone that needs to be moved in your heart this morning? We all have them. And we all know what they are, right? Maybe it's the pain of a past experience that keeps you uh, in, in a really difficult and in depressed situation that you just can't overcome. Maybe it's the betrayal of a friend or a loved one or someone who should have loved you the most but has treated you the worst. Maybe it's the fear of not measuring up or, or being good enough in, in the eyes of those around you. And so you live every day trying to keep up with the Joneses or you've just given up altogether. And instead you've given yourself to some addictive habit to try and feed the need. But, but you're always disappointed and ashamed because you know that it's not really getting you where you want to go. But you have no other recourse. And so you keep beating your head against that same stone, not realizing that the power of God is available to roll the stone away for you. And you don't even have to do the work work. The good news the Bible tells us is that we can approach the throne of mercy and the throne of grace with confidence, which means without shame, without guilt. God knows where we've been. God knows what we've done. He doesn't care how far you've run or, or what you've committed in terms of sin or, or things that you feel guilty or ashamed about. That's why Jesus came. It's because he knows what's in our hearts and he loves us in spite of it. And he wants us to come and run to him, to his throne of grace and mercy with confidence, knowing that if we do, he can help us as no one else can. His love can begin to bring healing to our hearts and overcome those places of darkness. And out of that healing, our relationships begin to be transformed and we begin to see marriages healed and parents and children's relationships renewed and we become, become a force for good rather than evil in this world. We become light in the darkness. The angel said, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. The word that's used here in the passage for going ahead is proago, which is more than just a simple term like he's geographically going ahead of you. It's a leadership word. It's the same word for leading troops in the military uh, to, 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 to tell us that Christ is now leading his disciples even is after death. He's the one that they are now invited to follow in perpetuity. <laughs> and if they say yes, if they look up and they go to Jesus, if they follow him, they will see him. He will reveal himself to them in a way that they know that he's alive. It's not just some propositional truth that, yeah, I believe this guy rose again from the dead 2,000 years ago, and because of that, somehow my life has changed. That's not what Christianity is about. What Christianity is about is that if we are willing to look up and we say yes to Jesus, it's because he promises to reveal himself and you have a personal relationship with a living God and that you know in your soul that God is real because you've met him personally. 
It's not a propositional truth that you say, yeah, I believe the facts. It's have you met God? And maybe for some of us here this morning, you didn't anticipate that the spirit of God in Christ would show up. And maybe right now that spirit is speaking to you and you are meeting God for the first time. And you didn't even know that God was really real. What's the stone that God wants to roll away from the tomb of your heart so that you can experience the freshness of new life that only comes through the mercy and grace of the throne of God when we humble ourselves and say yes to his gift of life in our lives. Verse 8 tells us that the women were trembling and bewildered, and they went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. You see, the choice is always ours. When we are confronted with the truth of who Jesus is, and we have the invitation from his spirit to to say yes and to enter into a relationship with him as our Lord and our Savior, will we shrink back in fear and run in anxiety to follow those paths that we think are the better ones for our lives? Or will we look up to Jesus and see that he has become our high priest? our bridge to God, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Because it's not about us being perfect. It's about being connected to the one who is. The resurrection is a confirmation that Jesus is the promised Messiah of God. He is the one who comes with the keys to the kingdom of God for our lives. It's not religion that transforms us. Being a good person doesn't transform us. The only thing that can transform the human heart is when we say yes to Jesus and allow him to become the king of our lives. The message of Jesus' resurrection transforms a hopeless end into an endless hope. The question is whether we will run to Jesus or are we going to run from him? See, the command, do not be afraid, reverberates throughout the Bible. We, can't, we can believe and know that God will help us in our time of need. And if we say yes to Jesus, he promises not only will he help us, but like Jesus, he will redeem our suffering. He will overcome our fears. He will forgive our sins. He will bring healing to our brokenness. And he will bring life out of death for you and for me. Don't be afraid. He's risen. Even in the midst of the darkest places of your life and in my life, we can look up and see that Jesus is our hope rising. Would you pray with me? God, on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, we recognize that we need your mercy and your grace and your power in our lives. God, we all come to the throne of mercy on equal footing as fallen sinners, broken and needy, in need of your help and your restoration. And so we ask, we pray together. Maybe some of us need to pray it again, and maybe some of us are praying it for the first time. But God, we all pray together, Lord, we need you. We say yes to Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart again today and and be the king of my life. 
Wash me clean with your mercy and grace and give me your power to see that the stone of my heart has already been rolled away. And through your spirit, lead me to be Jesus' true disciple so that I can follow the path that you have for my life. And God, we will praise you and thank you and we will share this good news message that all of life has become about your mission of love to this lost and this hurting world. And as you transform us day by day from glory to glory through your ongoing mercy and grace, God, we will testify that you are good and that you love those who look up and see that Jesus is their hope rising. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.